got an idea. Let's try something completely like way out there stupid. Let's do that today. Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dayon Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Pirates. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or hockey. I also offer up daily shots of Steelers and Penguins where you found this. How stupid? All right. Let's open with this premise. It's the all-star break of 2022. And yes, of course, this premise involves having an actual season. And the Pirates are, wait for it, contending. Okay, I'll just wait for everybody who was hitting the stop button or the pause button or the unsubscribe button or whatever it is to be out of the, get go ahead get your stuff get on out all right okay all right all three of you who are left now let us suppose that the pirates are contending because things happen and for no other reason because i don't know they were 12 and 11 at one point in what wound up a 101 loss season so anything can happen Anything, almost anything. Besides, the Central is not going to be any good, right? Central is not going to be good. Okay, so contending means different things to different people. And maybe they'll even expand the playoff field to include, I don't know, all 30 teams. All right? Setting this aside, the absurdity of it, I mean, Ben Charrington is put into a position where he would have to add or at least it would seem like he would have to add. It certainly would seem that way on the outside. See, the difference between me and a lot of other people who talk about the Pirates is that I've been in Pittsburgh my whole life. I'd like to think that I have some idea of what makes the city tick in whichever direction for better or worse. And one thing that I know about our city, is that as soon as the Pirates are even remotely decent, not good, just passable, they start generating excitement. And it's an excitement that is different than that of what's generated by the Steelers and Penguins. Steelers and Penguins is more of an expectation thing. They've been great in their own ways for so long. They've built up these, you know, world renowned brands, they are what they are. When the Pirates succeed even a little bit, like that 12 and 11 thing, you will see people jump on. So let's say that it happens. Let's say that there's three months and change of passable baseball, which of course after 101 losses will look really good. The city will put pressure on Charrington in a way that he probably hasn't felt. Now, this program is coming to you from Boston. I'm up here covering the Penguins, so it's not like I wouldn't have an easy reminder that Charrington also was the GM up here. It's a different kind of pressure. What you would feel up here would be a lot more like what I was describing with the Steelers and Penguins. The Pirates are a different thing. The Pirates are a different thing to any executives who come in from the outside, as Neil Huntington and his crew found out 
the hard way, ultimately, because there's a perception around baseball that you're taking a job managing a team that nobody cares about. Do you follow what I'm saying here? That it's kind of like getting a job with the Rays, you know, or the Marlins, where you know there's just no interest. And as a result, you can take pretty much any approach that you want, take as long as you want, build up the system, and go at it whenever you're ready, on your own timetable. Or in the case of the Marlins, never. Just do it into perpetuity. This portion of Daily Shot of Pirates is brought to you by our friends at North Shore Tavern. That's directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. It's home of Steak on a Stone, an eating experience, underscoring the word experience. The steak is brought to you partially cooked on an 800-degree stone, and you do the rest. It's a ton of fun, it's a great meal, and it's a baseball atmosphere like no other in Pittsburgh. North Shore Tavern, right across Federal Street from PNC Park. So this happens. Like, you know, O'Neill Cruz goes bonkers, Rowanzi Contreras, some of these pitchers come along. Mitch Keller's throwing 100 miles an hour. This starting rotation's so much better than what anybody could have thought. The bullpen looks rock solid with David Bednar, Chris Stratton. Oh, I don't know. Bring back Richard Rodriguez and let him use that sticky stuff again, <laughs> whatever it was that made him dominant. And go for it, you know, go for it. Team's doing great. Team's doing great. And Charrington thinks, you know what? I still don't think this is the team. I'm not ready to add. It won't matter. He'll be engulfed. He'll be engulfed. He'll have no choice. Because the viciousness of what'll come his way via the viciousness that's usually aimed anyway at Bob Nutting, will all be one and the same. If Charrington looks like or talks like he's not going to make a move, people aren't going to rip Charrington. People are going to rip Nutting. And it's going to get really, really, really ugly. And this team won't be able to pull that off. This management won't be able to pull that off. Even if they, the baseball people, at 115 Federal, believe in their heart of hearts that this is not the year, this is not the time. Even if it has nothing to do with finances, they'll have no choice but to relent. Now, the degree to which they relent would be the part that I'd find the most interesting because you can't, well, you can't ever go the fool Chris Archer on a situation. Just can't do it. I mean, there's a reason that's one of the dumber trades in baseball history. But what you can do are the kinds of deadline moves that Huntington and his crew, and approved by Nutting, and to the credit of all concerned, yes, even Nutting, they made moves that were money-based. They brought in players that were on uh, expiring or really big contracts that they knew they wouldn't have to give up a baseball component to get in return. Whether it's Justin Morneau, Ramos Ramirez, Derek Lee, those kinds of guys. Ultimately, this was what those playoff teams were, you know, built on. 
there was enough there to get the Pirates close, but they needed these extra pieces. Never too many, like one or two, but enough to get them uh, across the line. Like Joaquin Soria, remember that he came from the Royals? And this was like a, a highly paid pitcher that the Royals no longer had any use for. And the Pirates got him as a setup man, and it worked out pretty well. That is what I would expect would happen here. That is actually what I would hope would happen here. Now, that said, everything that just occurred over these last eight minutes, you are to expunge from your memory. You are to exercise from any recollection you ever have about listening to this podcast. When we come back, just one question. Welcome back. Time for J1Q. And today's comes from Brian Bronstein in Alaska who asks, what do you think the chances are that if Major League Baseball did institute a cap system, that at least the first iteration would have no teeth slash benefit, i.e. the salary floor would be too low and the ceiling too high to make any meaningful impact for years with respect to league parity? This is... I, I see what you're asking here. It's a little different than the stuff that I usually bring up about how caps and floors are historically grandfathered because you can't just have a team go rushing out and spending $50, 60000000 million to fill out a roster that's populated with children. It's just weird. Similarly, you can't ask the Dodgers to go from, ah, where are they now, even $250 million down to... 180 uh, overnight. You just can't do it. It, it, The math doesn't work. You have individual contracts that you have to honor legally. It has nothing to do with the labor agreement. What you're asking is a little different though, Brian. What you're asking is about a tiered scale from the sound of it. Like meaning in 2023, this would be the approach. In 2024, this would be the approach and that it would take several years to get baseball uh, to have a reasonable range that would make any kind of impact. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I want to sit here and go into the scenarios, but I keep also wanting to say that th- this is all still so very unlikely until you see a lot more rancor than what there is currently. And I know that the general perception is that it's really bad right now and that the owners have hunkered down and that the owners are ready to go for the long haul and they're, even if the owners have a good idea, the players are going to dump on whatever it is and all that other stuff. Believe me, it's nowhere near where it needs to be. This temperature between these two sides for us to be getting into cap slash floor stuff. I brought it up back in August because the owners put it on the table. I will continue to insist that the owners didn't put it on the table for no reason or to just magically withdraw it and never think about it again. It hasn't shown up 
in the discussion since then. But if you believe, as the players currently believe, that the owners aren't even being remotely serious about the talks they've had of late, then you would also believe that there's still a draconian option or two for the owners to bring back out. If and when that happens, you will know that it is bad, meaning from the settlement viewpoint. You will know that the temperatures are off the charts and that the owners are just ready to shut it down. I'm not there, and I don't think they are either. I really don't. So, like I said, it's a subject that I love to talk about, obviously. And it's something that I'd love to see happen in the game to make it generally more interesting, more exciting. And of course, especially for everyone in Pittsburgh, being able to have a system that you know is fairer and that you know forces the local owner to spend up to a certain level. In which case, he really becomes inconsequential. Meaning Bob Knight, of course. But I'm, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Pirates. We will do another one tomorrow.